The following is a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church in Port Rowan, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit livinghopebiblechurch.ca. Welcome to the Living Hope Bible Church podcast. We are diving into the book of James. We're very excited to look at this very practical book of how are we as Christians supposed to live. You know, the world doesn't need any more pseudo-religious, judgmental, um, prideful, arrogant, hypocritical Christians. The world needs Christians that reflect the cross. So let's listen in. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. It is good to see you. Are you excited to be here this morning? Some, you excited to be here this morning? Amen. I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited because I believe God is going to continue to work powerfully in and through his word. He's going to teach us. He's going to uh, reveal some things in our lives. And I'm excited because we're going through a new series. We're launching a new series now for the fall time in the book of James. And uh, we are launching this series with a theme, which really is the whole theme of the book of James. And our theme is this, um, faith in action. All right, faith in action. Now, I don't know about uh, I don't know about you, but do you watch the news much? Who here watches the news? Put it, lift up your hand if you watch the news. I know there's some hesitation now. Come on, right? Um, I'm one that doesn't normally watch the news. I did for a while, and um, I shut it off because if you know anything about news, um, it's not good news. It's like 99.99% bad news, and they give you a crumb of good news to try to hook you into the next good news time, right? Like. It's not good news. It seems to be really a lot of bad news, right? And so uh, I made the mistake this past week of watching some more news, and uh, it just reminded me why I shouldn't watch the news. But the reality is, is um, now more than ever in our day and our age and what's going on in the world, we need to have our faith in action. We need to have our faith in action. We need to live in such a way that the gospel is on full display through our mouths, but not just our mouths, right, loved ones? Through our actions, through our lives, how we live in light of what's going on right now in this world. For such a time as this, loved ones, God has called you here. You thought about that lately? For such a time as this, in what's going on with world events, God has called you here to be his light bearers, his image bearers, to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now more than ever is a time where our faith needs to be in action. Uh, why though? Why? Why? Why really does our faith need to be in action? Um, I said this uh, once. I've said it many times to you. Because Jesus Christ is what? Coming soon. Jesus Christ is coming soon, loved ones. He's coming soon. And so we need to have our faith on full display, our faith in action. And so we're moving into this series um, through the book of James called Faith in Action. And every week we're going to look at um, uh, really different things that James covers. He covers many things in his book. Um, he covers uh, about trials. He covers about faith in action through doing, being doers of the word, about not showing partiality, uh, about not being stained with this world, about um, fighting against ungodliness, about misplaced desires in our own lives, about prayer. Like This is going to be a um, powerfully packed series for us that, that I believe and we believe as elders that God is going to move in your life. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Are you, are you getting more excited? Are you getting more excited along with me, loved ones? Some of you, yes, I'll take the head shake and I just know that you're moving your lips under those masks. All right? So uh, we're excited, though. Faith in action. So turn in the book of James 
And uh, we're going to discover first, we're going to do a little background, right? So we kind of set the stage for what's going on. So we're going to discover who wrote the book and what this individual was like and kind of the feel of the book, all right? Because different letters have a different feel to them, all right? They're not just all the same, all right? And so uh, turn with me to James chapter 1. And kids, if, uh, okay, who's, who's eight years old and younger here, sitting here? Eight years old and younger. Can you lift your hands? Eight years old and younger. We had a couple, all right. I want you to listen because I'm going to ask you a question after this, okay? All right? And you're going to have a chance to say something in church, okay? All right, here we go. James, look at the text. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Um, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, if you're eight years old or younger, okay, we're trying to discover here who wrote this book, all right? Now, eight and under, who do you think wrote the book of James? What does the Bible say? You can say it loud. It's not a trick question. James! Great, James! James wrote the book of James. You're so smart. Listen, adults, kids listen in church. Kids listen in church, right? All right. Uh, James wrote the book of James. Now, um, that's the first thing we need to understand about this book is James wrote it. Now, if you're a Bible student, you'll, you'll quickly realize that, well, hold on a second, Mark. There's more than one James in the Bible. Uh, what James is it? We have really four options. There's James, um, the brother of John. Um, he's an apostle. Did he write the book? There's James, son of Alphaeus, who also is an apostle. Did he write the book? But there's also um, a James who is dad to Judas, not Iscariot, who is an apostle. Did he write the book? But there's one other James the Bible talks about, and that is James, the brother of Jesus Christ. Did he write the book? So we have four options, and it's important that we know who wrote the book because it gives us the context and to really the heart in which it is written. Uh, well, really, James, son of Alphaeus, and James, the father of Judas, uh, there's not enough evidence to point that they wrote the book. There's just, there's no substantial evidence that they did that. Um, so we can kind of chuck that out that they wrote the book. It wasn't one of those two. Um, now, some believe that it was James, the apostle, the brother of John, who was with Jesus in the inner circle, right? And you know who James is? James, one of the apostles. Have you read about James before? Yeah, so what about him? Well, that's a great option, but the problem is the dating's off in it. Um, James, actually, if you read the book of Acts, Peter and James were taken to prison right by Herod. And what did Herod do to James? What did he do to him? Do you know? He killed him. He, he uh, murdered him. He struck him down with the sword, right? And so Peter's in prison, so uh, James was killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. So the timing of the book, it doesn't match up. Uh, it wasn't James. James would have already been in glory by then. Praise God. We're waiting that day for those who are saved. Amen. Amen. Um, he was already in glory. So uh, he couldn't have written this letter that is before us today. So that leaves us uh, with uh, the option. And, and the strongest evidence points to James, the brother of Jesus Christ. James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, wrote the book. Now, um, some things to note about, the, about James. When James first comes on the scene, uh, we see him enter uh, the scene in the book of Acts. Um, when Peter was taken in prison, uh, he says to the church, when the angel let him out of prison, right? That's a really cool story. You guys got to read the book of Acts. Like, it's filled with some really sweet stories of what God did in the life of, uh, of the apostles in the early church and others. And so James, or, uh, Peter's let out of prison, and he goes and he says to um, those that were, like, banging on the door, says, hey, you're like, hey, we don't believe it's Peter, and it was, and it's like, hey, go and tell James all that God has done and strengthen the brothers and sisters in Christ. So 
um, we have some indication of James was a part of the early church. All right, But not just that, uh, we see that actually James, in the book of Acts, you can see, and I think it's Acts chapter 15, that he actually sat alongside the apostles on the council when Paul and Barnabas came back uh, and brought word about the moving of God in amongst the Gentiles. James is the one who gave instruction and helped write the letter or write the instructions to the Gentiles. So James is a leader in the church, but he's not just a leader, he's actually the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. James is a pastor. Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, uh, is a pastor. He's a leader. Uh, he, moves, he was uh, used so powerfully by God that even Paul likens him to one of the apostles. He says in Galatians chapter, I think it's 1 verse 19, he says that, um, that uh, he calls him actually an apostle. Kind of one of those, like the, the impact and, the, and how God used him to, to lay the foundation of the church. That's how even Paul viewed James. Faithful, faithful. Um, the thing that you need to know about James also is that, um, I kind of love this, James didn't really start out that well, though. All right, James didn't start out that well. If you read anything about the gospel, what did, uh, what did uh, Jesus' family think about him? Did they follow him as Lord? Did they? Um, just think about that for a second. Your brother tells you that he's the Messiah. He didn't believe him. He didn't believe him. Um, not to like discredit James, but it's kind of like, uh, yeah. And uh, James probably didn't treat Jesus too well. All you brothers and sisters, do you treat your siblings really well? Are you the perfect child? Are you perfect child? I, I don't do anything wrong to my brother or sister. I'm always good to them. Is that you up there? Well, let's be honest, right? Um, James, uh, human too, right? Um, he didn't start out that well, but everything changed for James. Uh, when he experienced the risen Lord personally. Um, Paul records this in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8, when uh, he says that Jesus appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses, right? And not only that, he says that he appeared to James. And then also, Paul says, and to me. Jesus Christ had an experience with the risen Lord, and he was forever changed. And God used him so powerfully now look what he says about the Lord. He says this, James, a servant, that's also translated a slave, a bondservant. He's a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh man, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. That's how James uh, views Jesus Christ. Not just half-brother, but the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah. And so James is used powerfully. Now, um, one other thing you need to know about James in this letter is uh, James, um, the, the feel of this letter is very much just like action-driven. It's action-packed. Um, Paul, when he writes a letter, he's speaking theologically, and he's reasoning with us, and he's reasoning with our minds to help us understand the truth, right? Uh, but that's not James. James, in this letter at least, not saying he doesn't do this as a pastor, but in this letter, he's not so much interested in, in trying to give you all the details. He leaves a lot out. What he's interested in is faith in action, that's what he's interested in, that, that the followers of Jesus Christ, the, the children of God, all right, when he says the 12 tribes in the dispersion, he's referring to the Jews specifically. Now, this applies to all Christians, but those that are scattered, spread out, all right, through persecution and other ways uh, that, are, that are dispersed, he says um, he wants to instruct them. And so James is giving them like, just packed, um, applicational pieces to live by. He's not so concerned about, uh, hey, what you're thinking, just do it. Uh, just do it. This is how you are to live out your faith in light of what's going on. 
And so the feel of it is very forward, very direct. There is 54 imperatives in five chapters. I think it's safe to say that, that James is concerned about the action, the, the living out of faith in the midst of the time they find themselves in and the time we find ourselves in. Now, James is uh, forward. He's driven uh, as a pastor, but not just that. James is humble. Uh, he's also humble. Listen, I, I'm so excited to meet James when we get to glory um, because here's a driven man who is just action-packed, but yet, yet he shows great humility. It's a great encouragement to all us pastors uh, in his humility. And why I say he's great humility, look how he starts his letter. Uh, I think we often skip pa- past this. He says this, James is slave, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James was his half-brother. He could have been like, I got a letter for you. Listen up. James, half-brother of Jesus Christ, what's up? Come on. Like, you wouldn't play that card? Uh, his brother was the Messiah, and he could have easily played that card. Uh, half-brother, half-brother, half-brother. Come on. He didn't do that at all. He shows great humility in what he says here. James, half-brother of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. James, slave. Slave. James is humble. He's humble. So that's a little bit about James. Now, James is writing this letter to encourage the Christians that are scattered abroad because of many reasons, but primarily because of persecution. Uh, that had been hard for James. James was uh, the pastor of the church, and, and, uh, and, and scattering happened, and he lost his congregation all over the place. Uh, God used that as a tool to advance the gospel. Uh, but James is concerned about their faith and action. And so this morning, we're going to see this. Is, uh, James is going to focus first on faith and action um, through trials. All right, Faith and action through trials. So that's what we're going to focus on, loved ones, is our faith and action through trials. Listen, there's something you need to understand about your walk with the Lord and about this life. Um, you will face trials. Did you know that? Did you know that? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You will face trials. We know this because Jesus Christ even tells us this. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face hardships. You're going to face trials. We're going to face trials, loved ones. And how we view trials is important to God. It's really important to God how you view trials. Did you know that? God's concerned of how you view trials. And so he speaks and anoints James to write this letter to encourage the saints in the way specifically this morning on trials. Your faith and action in trials. So what we're going to see is three ways to think in the midst of a trial. Three ways to think in the midst of a trial. It's not a matter of if you're going to face one. It's a matter of when you face one. And I'll just let you know right now, um, we're facing one even now. So how are you going to think? What are you to think? So three things. The first thing you need to know about trials, that James wants the church to understand, that God would have us understand about trials, is this, if you're taking notes. Trials are a good thing. All right? Trials are a good thing. I don't know if I agree with you, Mark. They don't feel too good, man. Do you think trials are a good thing, loved ones? Often, I'll just be honest. I don't think at times trials are a good thing. I look at it right directly, go, man, trials aren't a good thing. They're a hard thing. And who wants that? Uh, who wants to go through hard times? Uh, but trials 
are a good thing. They're a good thing. Why I say that is, is look at the text. Look at the text. Someone's got your Bibles open. Okay. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this. Count it all joy, my brothers. It's my brothers and sisters. It's not just men. All right. It's brothers and sisters in the Lord. Count it all joy, my brothers. When... Okay, now that when there, I just want you to highlight it, squiggle line it, box it, smiley face, whatever you got to do to remember that word when, okay? Because I said to you already, it's not if, it's when, all right? So count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet, that is face, that literally in the Greek is fall into, when you meet trials of various kinds. Do you see that there? You see that there? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, this word counted, let's just get some understanding of what he's saying here. This word counted is a verb. It's an imperative, and it's an imperative in the aorist tense. You're like, so what? Uh, well, that's important, all right? It's important that you understand that. Uh, this means to think, all right? It means to consider. It means to have the opinion of. We all have opinions of things, don't we? Do you have an opinion of something? Eh, maybe your favorite food, right? Well, you think pizza's the best, but you up there think hot dog's the best. Right? It's true, right? Uh, but, but we all have an opinion. But what he's saying here is consider, all right, consider, that is to think, that is to have the opinion of, but in the aorist tense is um, keep considering. So James is saying when it comes to trials, there's something you need to do. You need to count it. You need to continue to think this way about trials. And you need to not stop thinking this way about trials. All right? He says, um, think this way about trials. Consider it. Now look at the text. All joy. Do you see it there? All joy. And when it comes to trials, he's saying, uh, count it all joy. Now what's this all joy mean? Well, all is, uh, is, is everything. It's not lacking. It's not mixed within. It's not contaminated. It's pure it's also translated pure joy. Um, this joy word here, um, what does that mean? Uh, well, joy is uh, hurrah. Uh, maybe it's where we get our word hurrah. I don't know. I didn't actually study that, but maybe. Um, but it's, that's the Greek word is hurrah. Um, this literally means gladness, delight. It literally means that. It's used 59 times in the New Testament. Now, let me give you an example, three examples of how it's used. First, this uh, hirah is used. Uh, Peter uses this in 1 Peter 1.8. Okay, note this reference. He says this, about what the Lord has done in our hearts through salvation in him. He says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. We rejoice in joy that God has saved us through his son and we experience this joy and this blessedness of knowing him. You know what I'm talking about? Are you saved? You experience the joy of the salvation we've received. That's that word, joy, delight. It's not like, oh, I'm saved. Wake up and know who Jesus Christ is. And we experience this joy, this delight, this gladness. That's what he's saying. Now, he also says in, uh, or um, now, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, he uses this word joy again. He says, you received the message. He went on and preached the gospel to the Thess Thessalonians, right? He says, you received the message with joy, with gladness, with delight from the Holy Spirit. 
in spite of the severe sufferings it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. Joy, joy. Uh, they received the message with joy. You can't receive the message of Christ without joy. You haven't received it then. It's delight. It's gladness. That's this word. One more, Philippians 4, 1, he says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you. I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Joy. Joy. Gladness. Delight. This is what he's saying here. Now, how are you supposed to view your trials? He says, count it all joy. When you meet various trials... Now, let's get an idea of what are trials that he's talking about. What does trials mean? Because I don't know about you, uh, but gladness and delight are not what I think when it comes to trials. Um, but what is he saying about trials here? Well, this word trials uh, in the text is um, test or to test or testing. The sense of the word here is the act of examining something close for mistakes. It's the act of examining um, so, you know, what if you were to, you know, get a new vehicle, for those that have done that, um, you walk up there and you see, and you're like, if you see a scratch, like, whoa, hold on, there's a scratch here, right? Like, fix that thing. You, you examine it. I remember a few years ago, my wife and I, we bought a trailer, and I remember bringing it home, like, you, you examine it and make sure sometimes, like, whoa, that, that's a little bit off there. You, you test it. You see what's going on with it. That's the sense of the word, is it's testing um, it's used of speaking of in the, in the New Testament of external trials and internal trials, right, of testings. Now, the examining, though, in this way is not the examining of you examining something. It's something that's examining you. It's the trials that are testing you. It's the hardships that are coming into your life that are squeezing you and revealing to you what's coming out. Uh, that's what we're talking about here. One defini definition of a trial that will help you, I think, is this. Um, trials are anything that tests the purity or the integrity of your devotion to God. Now, that's a trial, all right? Trials are anything that tests the, your purity or integrity of your devotion to God. That's a trial. That's a trial, um, Kids, maybe you'll understand it better this way. Students, um, trials are this. Anything um, that tests your trust in God or your obedience to God. Does that make sense? You follow students? Okay. Anything that tests your um, devotion, that's what it means. So uh, let's get some ideas of what some trials are. I love this. This is so applicable today uh, because whether you believe it or not, we're all in a trial. Um, we're all in a trial together. Kids say, well, no, we're not. Um, are you alive? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you are. You're here. What's the trial we're facing today? Yeah, who just said that? COVID. Absolutely. COVID is a trial. We're all in the same thing. Um, COVID is a trial that we're facing today. Um, so let's just, uh, while we're on that subject, because it's so evident in everybody's life right now, uh, how does COVID affect us in different ways? Right? Um, yes. Many ways. Masks. Some of you are pointing to that. was on there. You jumped ahead. Now i got to go back to it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, absolutely. Masks. Masks. Some people, it's hard. and We need to be sensitive. I, I struggle wearing a mask. I have a hard time with it. Um, 
trial. It's not easy. It tests the inside of what's going on in our hearts and our, and our complaining and our grumbling and all those things, right? Um, masks can be a trial. You know what? Maybe COVID at the beginning of it, you lost your job or you reduced hours. And so finances, how are you going to provide? Uh, that's a trial, right? Um, changes in your life because of COVID. Uh, physical distancing. I watched the news again and now you hear numbers going up, right? I shouldn't have watched the news. But the reality is this, right? Um, numbers are changing again. That means physical distancing measures are changing. Trial. Trial. Maybe through this you haven't seen your family the same. Maybe you have an aging uh, family member who, has, uh, uh, who you've not been able to hold or hug or spend much time with. Trial. Right? Masks, absolutely. Um, let's just kind of move outside of um, COVID now. Uh, what are some trials maybe you're facing right now? Maybe it's sickness or sickness in your family. I know my family, we're still, uh, my aunt still has cancer. Trial. Uh, trial for her. Trial as we trust the Lord in this. Uh, maybe it's other sickness. Maybe it's other disabilities. Maybe it's anything like that. That's trial. Um, uh, students right now, school. School. Uh, that's a trial for you, right? Is it the same? Students, is your school the same? Is it the same? You can say, you can just go like this if, or, or this. All right? It's not the same. It's changed, right? Um, high school, elementary, um, students who are going to college. Is it the same for you? Uh, trial. Well, what am I going to do now? Maybe, the, maybe they're not offering this course now. I have to do online. I, I struggle with online. Trial. Hardship. It's not easy. That, that's trials. Um, what, about, um, uh, what about those that are maybe single right now? And all they, they long to be married. They long to be married. They long to have a family. And, uh, and God hasn't stepped in. And, and they're struggling with this. Or maybe they're settling for someone they shouldn't be. Um, because they long for this, but trial, hardship. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you, want, maybe you, you want children, and God hasn't granted you the ability to have children. Well, that's hard. That's a trial. That's a trial. A test your faith. Uh, maybe you have a child right now that is rebellious and wayward. Uh, trial. Listen, loved ones, I think we get the idea, right, of what trial is. Uh, trials are anything that tests the purity or integrity of our devotion to God. Trial. Trials. How does God want us to look at trials? He says this, Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kind. Why? Why are we to count it as joy? Is James saying that you're to be happy, glad, uh, experience delight in the trial? Uh, well, no, that's not what he's saying. Is The trial itself is not the point of joy. Look what he says. Here's the answer. For you know, look at verse 3. Why are we to count it joy? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Do you see that there? It produces steadfastness. Uh, that's endurance. It's also translated patience. Um, it produces steadfastness in you. It produces endurance in you to carry on, to continue on. Now, why is endurance important in the Christian life? Why is it important? I think an easy analogy is, is ask a runner. Ask a runner why endurance is important. Ask somebody who does sports why endurance is important. If you can't endure, uh, you're not going to finish strong. You're not going to finish strong. You're not going to potentially finish the race. You ever see a marathon and you see the ones that are really in shape and they've really worked hard and they make it all the way and the ones that haven't really, they've cut corners and they, they quit or they can't make it. They don't have the endurance to press on through. The point that James is making here is trials are a good thing because they produce in you endurance in your faith in the Lord. 
and they help sustain you throughout the course of this life. Endurance in your faith, that's why it's so important. Look what he says here, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James is not telling us to look at the trials here and be like thankful for the trials, but he's telling us to look above the immediate trial and see all that God is doing in and through the trial. That's what he's saying. And see what God is doing. Listen, the trial is not what we rejoice in, but what God is doing through the trial. God is producing in each of us through trials endurance. Um, Paul elaborates on this a little bit more in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. He says this, he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Now, the point that, that James is making here is how we are to view trials is they're a good thing because God grows us through the trials. And it says in the text here, um, let steadfastness have its full effect that we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The idea of perfection is uh, without blemish. It's, it's a without blemish completely. Uh, God allows you to go through trials and us to go through trials to perfect you, um, to sanctify you. Uh, listen, trials are a good way that God uses. Uh, he sends trials into our lives and allows us to walk through trials um, to sanctify us. And God's more concerned about your sanctification than your satisfaction. All right, he's more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. And trials are, are the mode in which God uses, uh, uses to shape us and mold us and chip away those rough edges to purify us. That's why James says, consider it pure joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Because through those trials, loved ones, God is growing you. God is growing you. He is shifting, he is um, um, chipping away at those edges that he wants gone. Have you ever seen the show um, Forged in Fire before? Uh, they literally take the, it's a, it's a black, like they're, they're crafting um, swords and knives and they hold it in the fire and then they, they, they bang at it and they shape it and they knock away the impurities to strengthen the, the sword or the knife. Uh, God does that in our lives through trials. He brings us through his refining fire and to shift us and shape us and mold us into the image of his son. Loved ones, listen. Trials are a good thing. They're a good thing. God uses trials to grow you. He uses trials to grow you. All right? Uh, we often don't grow on the mountaintop. We rejoice on the mountaintop, and we're focused on all the goodness, right? It's in the valleys and the hardship where God really does his refiner's work, and he works in uh, progressive sanctification in our lives. How am I to think of a trial? Listen, James tells us three ways to think. First is this, trials are a good thing. They're a good thing. They're a good thing, loved ones, because God uses them to grow us. He uses them to grow us. Um, second is this, though. Um, in the midst of trials, uh, James understands that it's a struggle. As a pastor, he's not insensitive to this. He understands it's a struggle. Like, are you ever thriving? We're just like, you ever just sit there, you're like, every trial I thrive in. Who does that? Who thrives in every trial? Just raise your hand. And then put it down quickly, all right? Because it's not true, all right? We don't, we don't thrive in trials. We struggle in trials. And God walks with us and works, uh, works in us. But the reality is, is there are times where we struggle, right? Uh, we struggle through the trials. And so God wants us to understand something here, that in the midst of our trial, um, when we don't get it, 
Um, second thing we need to think about when it comes to trials, uh, when we lack understanding and wisdom and even to know how to move forward in our faith, um, second is this. Um, this is how you're to think. Uh, God will give me the wisdom I need. I just need to ask. All right? God will give me the wisdom I need. I just need to ask. I say that because look what James says. Look what he says in the text now. You got your Bibles? Look at the text again. He says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. It will be given him. Let him ask God, and it will be given to him. And what James is saying in the midst of trials, uh, if you're lacking the wisdom uh, and understanding of what God is doing, uh, not just in what he's doing of asking the question, why God, why God, why God? And, and God does give us that freedom to ask him, uh, why God are you doing this? We see that in the psalm. The psalmist asks many times why the Lord is allowing these things. But that's not just the wisdom we are to ask for answering why, but the wisdom to live out your faith in light of the trial. To be obedient in light of the trial. Ask for wisdom. He says, ask Ask for wisdom and how you can continue to live to honor the Lord, how you can continue to live to please him, how you can continue to trust him in and through those things and the strength to do it. That's all part of wisdom. It's not just knowledge. Now, Lord, tell me why I'm going through this. It's the wisdom to say, Lord, give me wisdom to know and to trust you no matter the outcome. But here's the thing. God wants you to ask, to ask. When was the last time in a trial you said, hey, hey, Lord, I don't understand. Would you give me the wisdom, please? Give me the wisdom to understand, but not just to understand, to know how I'm to live in light of the pain of this. And you keep asking. See, we're all going to go through trials, but God wants you to think this way. Go to him in your trials and ask him. He is the one who will ultimately give you the wisdom to maintain and continue to work through the trial and please him and glorify him. See, many people go to their um, spouse, right? First, many people go to their um, family or a counselor. And I'm not saying these are bad things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is bad. But God wants us to go to him first. And God uses these people too. Praise God for that. Um, but the reality is this. Go to God. God is the one who gives wisdom. God is the one who gives insight. God is the one who allows you and gives you the sustaining grace to make it through. Let him ask. He says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, lacks wisdom let him ask God. Let me ask you this. Have you been asking God in the midst of your trial and what you're going through right now? Have you been asking him for wisdom? Have you been doing that? Listen, listen. Uh, if you've been asking, um, trust him according to his will. Um, he will answer. And he will give you what you need. Why do I say this? It says it in the text. He gives generously. Listen, this word generously is straightforward. It's in an open manner. It really is. This, man, God is ready and willing to give you what you need. You just need to ask. You need to ask. He's ready and willing to give you what you need because he says that. He says, and it will be given him. Do you see that there? Now, this is not some health and wealth prosperity gospel I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, God, you know what? My life would be better if I had $150,000 a year and I could just buy what I want. Well, James addresses that in chapter four, like you're being selfish. God's not gonna answer that. It's, it's asking for wisdom in line with what he's doing according to his will. It's trusting him. It's the wisdom to say, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what, even when I don't get it. Lord, I, I don't understand. Give me what I need. Please give me the wisdom to live this out. Let him ask. And he says this. He says that um, he gives generously and he does it without reproach. You know what that means? 
That means uh, uh, God is not like oftentimes what, what we as dads are. I can't speak for moms because I'm not one. But um, as dads, we oftentimes, right, we, uh, our kids ask us and ask us and ask us, and we just get what? Kind of uh, annoyed, right? We can get annoyed. I've said to my sons many times, and, and, and there is that, I get that, where we need to train our kids, and you don't just, you don't just ask for something that is not right, and we're just going to give in as parents and cave. Um, but the point is, is we often can get annoyed. Uh, the point here is God does not get annoyed. Uh, God invites our asking, and he longs for our asking as we ask in faith. He says, ask, ask. I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to be like, well, you asked me this like two days ago, and I gave you a measure of grace. Now, why are you coming to me again? Um, that's not God. That's not God. Ask, ask, ask. He will help. He will lead you. He will give you the wisdom you need. He will give it to you. But in the asking, listen, uh, God has a prerequisite. You know what that is? Look at the text. Um, it's faith. It's faith. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. There's really a contrast here. Listen, he says, for, those who, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded. That literally means double-souled man. Uh, not really even, like divided in his affections, divided in his faith, um, divided at the core. Uh, not, not really following the Lord, but, but kind of following the Lord. You know what I mean? Uh, divided. He's divided soul. He's a divided man. Says this, unstable in all his ways. So what James is saying here is this. We need to ask God, but we ask him in faith, believing that God will do what he says he will do according to his will and not just what we believe we need to have done, but what God deems as what needs to be done in our lives. Ask him. He's going to give you what you need to, to help you through what you're going through. He is going to help you. He's going to enable you. Ask in faith. Listen, as, as God has saved you, if you're saved today, now listen, you believe God for salvation, right? If you're saved today, do you believe that God has truly saved you? Come on, church. Yes, amen. We know that's true. We know that's true. Um, God saves us, and that is sure and true. In the same way that he saves us, uh, he tells us he's going to give us what we need. And so you can believe him. Uh, believe him. He could give you what you need. And the idea here is that I believe, God, that you can answer, you will answer. And it's not like, it's not a, hey, there is the struggle there. James recognized that. That's not the point. We still struggle. We see the psalmist struggle. We see many struggle. But it's the believing that God will do what he says he will do in the midst of the, in the, midst of the struggle. And it's not being divided in your affections. Oh, God's going God's gonna to do it. Well, no, he's not going to do it. He's going to do it. No, he's not going to do it. He can't do it. He can't. Oh, yes, he can. No, he can't do it. Right? Like, that's having in, one foot in and one foot out. Yeah, I follow the Lord, but oh man, this, this life is just way too hard, so I'm going to kind of go this way for a few days. Oh no, you know what, maybe, maybe I should just follow the Lord a little bit, because you know what, it, it'll help my life a little bit. Um, divided soul, that's the point. Um, don't act like one of those ones that are divided, that aren't truly God's. Um, be firm in your faith. Trust him. Trust him that he's going to give you what you need. Faith, faith. Yes, we struggle. That's not the battle here. It's a divided soul is the battle. Don't be like that. The divided soul is one who's tossed and driven by every. Like, like the wind blows to the east, that's where the waves are blowing. The wind blows to the west, that's where the waves are blowing. It's this idea of just all over the place in your trust of God. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't show genuine faith. Look what he says. He says, that person must not suppose they'll receive anything from the Lord. 
You're living like an unbeliever in your faith in him through all these things. Don't suppose you'll get anything. Right? This is not a name it and claim it theology. That's what I'm talking about. This is not for your own needs. Uh, this is for what God sees and, and your submission to him. He is sovereign. He's not your, he's not your vending machine. He's not your, just, uh, you, I'm going to hit this button. He's going to answer me. You can't control God by, in the name of Jesus, this is going to happen. Um, no, uh, no, God is the one who is sovereign. And God works according to his will. And so we pray and we trust. We trust him for the outcome. But ask, ask in faith. Ask in faith. Believe that he'll do what he say he'll do according to his will. Trust him. Listen, when you need wisdom or when you're going through trials, two ways, third and I'm almost done here. Um, first is uh, trials are a good thing. They're a good thing, loved ones. They're a good thing. Um, and when you struggle, God will, think this, think this. Um, God will give me the wisdom I need. I just need to ask. I just need to ask and trust him. Trust him. He will give it to you. He says it right here. I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the sustaining power through my spirit. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Uh, trust me. Ask. And then the third thing, how we are to think in trials, is um, this. Think this way. Um, God is working in me. So don't try to get out from underneath it. Don't try to get out from the trial. God is working in me. Don't try to get out. Um, many times when we go into trials, we move into a fight, um, fight or flight mode, or we're just, we just kind of cower in, right? We're going to run away, or we're just going to buckle in and, and dig our feet in and not move. Um, look what the text says here in verse, in verse 12. James here in verse 9 through 11 is talking about some of the trials that they were facing in poverty. Uh, financial trials, right? That's that section right there. Talking about the rich and the poor, but the reality is there's that struggle and the trial that the church is facing. Um, but then he says this in verse 12. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Do you hear that there? Uh, what is God saying? Blessed is the man, the woman, who remains steadfast under trial. There is blessing in staying under the trial that God has you go through right now. It's father-filtered. Everything we go through is father-filtered. Uh, it's father-filtered, loved ones. Nothing happens by mistake to the children of God. And so the reality is, is uh, he's saying here, blessed is the man who remains under trial and doesn't try to just get out. Trust God that he's working his refining fire in us and sanctifying us, and we're going to come out different. We're going to come out different. Uh, we're going to come out... Um, Things chipped away. We can glorify him more and be more like, look more like his son. Blessed is those who remain under trial. Look what he says there. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Uh, all these little trials, loved ones, ultimately, uh, ultimately like equal the whole trial of life that lead us into glory. As we remain from one trial to the next, it evidences our true heart belonging to the Lord. It verifies that we belong to Christ and he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. He sanctifies us through that and that will lead us ultimately to glory. It will lead us to glory. We remain steadfast, remain true in our faith, remain true in our trust. Uh, even even uh, Jesus says this in Revelation chapter 3 or 2 verse 10. I'll just read it for you quickly. Read it for you quickly and then I'm almost done here. He says this to the church of Smyrna. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Is the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The point is this, is that as you remain under trial, you're evidencing your trust and your faith in the Lord and your belief in him, and he will sustain you through that and bring you into glory. 
This life for the believer is all a trial. And when you're steadfast and you endure, you prove what God has done in your heart. And we will receive the crown of life. Listen, God uses the trial to grow you. Don't try to come out from underneath the trial. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now. You're like, I just want out. I just want out. I just want out. Uh, Trust God. Trust God in it. Trust God in it. All right? Uh, Blessed is the one who remains under trial. God is working in you to change you. And don't try to run from it. Allow God to shift you and change you. Allow God to sanctify you. And don't dig your heels in. Allow God to grow you. Allow God to work in you. God is working in, listen, how are you to think? How are you to think? God is working in me, so I'm not going to try to get out from it. He's working in you. Right now we face different things, right? He's working in us. What's God teaching you right now? And what we face, what is he teaching you? Because he is teaching us a lot of things. Are you listening? Are you growing? Are you growing through the time we face right now? James is concerned about the church, and so he wants the church to put their faith in action. Put your faith in action through trials. Listen, trials are a good thing. They're a good thing, loved ones. When you struggle, listen, note this. Uh, God will give you the wisdom. You just need to ask him. And remain in the trial. And don't try to move out from it. Um, God is working in you. He's working in you. Amen for that, right, church? Amen for how we're to view trials. Listen, again, Count it all joy, my brothers, my sisters, when you face trials of various kinds for the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let's have this thinking in trials. Let's trust the Lord. He has saved you. He loves you. He hasn't left you. He's walking with you, and he'll sustain you through it all. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth that we can find this encouragement in your word through trials, that, um, Lord, we struggle. It's not easy. And many people are, are struggling differently in this time as well. Um, changes, uncertainty, and that can throw us for a loop, Father. But I just ask, Lord, that you, by your grace and your sustaining hand, would lead us forward in faith, and that we would understand that this is for our good and your glory. You're working in a way to shape us and change us. May your refining fire work in our life and sanctify us of the impurities. Lord, you long for our holiness. So Lord, may we be holy before you. Encourage those in the church say, that are maybe struggling with different trials that are so hard right now. Encourage their hearts to keep pressing on, keep trusting. Keep trusting the Lord. And the crisis of faith, keep trusting the Lord. You got this, God. And so Lord, we lay it at your feet. We love you, we trust you, and you're so worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church. For more information about our church, please head to livinghopebiblechurch.ca.